Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. You are listening to the We Podcast, where we speak, we grow, we rise. On this episode of the We Podcast, I get to have an amazing and raw conversation with Tanil Childers. Tanil is the lucky mom of two beautiful children, ages 13 and 9, and has been married to her best friend for 17 years. She works part-time as a graphic artist and spends the rest of her time following her heart by creating and selling her whimsical art. Writing poetry about her personal life journey is just another space for her to create using words rather than paint. This interview touches me to my core. Tanil shares with us her experiences of great loss in the process of her grief from losing two children to miscarriage. We both agree that this is not something that women talk about often enough. And many times, women suffer alone. Tanil is using her art and her poetry to not only heal herself, but to spread the light and the love of these beautiful children and uplift and encourage others who have experienced deep loss. I admire her so much for her ability to talk about the hard things and truly make beauty from ashes. Here is my interview with Tanil. to this episode number seven of the We Podcast. It's very exciting. I have Tanil here with me today, and I'm super excited to dive in and talk about you and your story, and I just think you are a huge inspiration and absolutely fabulous. So thank you for being here with me today, Tanil. Thank you. I'm honored to be here with you because you absolutely inspire me and you're just a huge inspiration in my life um, through Facebook and as a friend, I feel like, and it's, it's an honor to be here today. So thank you. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> I love it. So as we're kind of getting started, I would love, I know you have a pretty amazing and touching story. Um, I've gotten to hear most of your story, and it's one that touched me in a com- it touches me in a completely different way. I think the first time we talked about it, I like I I couldn't help but keep tearing up, which is not normal for me. <laughs> and so it just really touches my heart and. I can't wait for the listeners to hear your journey as well. But before we dive into that, can you tell us just a little bit about you, what you do, um, and then we'll talk about how you got here. That sounds great. Um, I'm a wife. I've been married almost 18 years. It'll be 18 years this July. Um, I'm a mom to two beautiful children, ages 13 and 9. I work part-time as the graphic designer at a local print shop, and I'm also an artist and a poet. Um, And in my spare time, I love to run outdoors, and I also love to run when I need it, so. Nice. It's running a fight song, take back my life song. 
Yay. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and you are an amazing artist. And I Thank spent you. quite a bit of time in the last few days going through your website and your work and just absolutely love it. And we were talking before this and um, I think Aubrey is your new biggest fan. Uh, <laughs> Her dorm room is going to be covered with your art for sure. <laughs> I up with that. Um, so you're an artist. You're how long have you been doing your painting? So I kind of took a non-traditional approach. Um, I have been doing, I've been showing and selling my work professionally in a gallery since 1999. So I, I actually started going to school for art down in Durango in 94, the fall of 94, I started and my goal was to have a fine arts degree. And then I had some interest in um, art therapy. So I was um, real interested in the psychology behind that and, and thought about maybe being an art therapist growing up. So that was another side thought. Um, in 1995, uh, two weeks into my second year, I actually lost three of our good friends in a car accident. Oh, and wow. that was a very life-changing time for me, I think, as a person. It was probably the first traumatic death I had ever experienced. And it really, it really hit me hard. It made me realize um, mortality, I think, on a deeper level. Before that, I think I thought I was immortal. I don't think that I thought anything would ever happen to me or anyone I loved. Um, so that was a life changer. Um, so two weeks in, I ended up withdrawing from college. Um, but I never lost sight of my art. And I knew that I wanted to spend my life doing something I loved. And so art was something that I still wanted to pursue, despite the fact that I had to withdraw for other reasons. So in 1997, I actually moved to Kansas with my boyfriend at the time, who's my husband now. Um, he had a job offer and he was amazing. Instead of me getting a job out in Kansas, he actually encouraged me to spend that eight months putting together an art portfolio that I could bring back to Loveland when we got back and, and try to get into a gallery. So he has always been my biggest supporter through everything. So in um, 1998, we moved back to Loveland and I was encouraged by a friend of my grandmother's to try to get juried into the Lincoln Gallery downtown Loveland. And honestly, I was mortified at the thought of putting my work before a group of people to judge um, because it was art was something that was so personal to me. Mm -hmm. And, um, but luckily I was juried in. So I've been showing and selling my work at Lincoln Gallery in Loveland since 1999. And throughout all that time, poetry and art have totally complemented one another. Poetry has always been sort of my way of trying to dive in and understand the emotions that I'm dealing with in life. And then art is the other side of that, which for me is finding the beauty and celebrating the beauty of life through creating my art. In 2004, I our first daughter was born and she was actually, I had to be induced a week early on her birth because I had high blood pressure and I had toxemia. So it was at a, at a very dangerous level. And so she was born a week early in 2008, our son was born 
and in the third trimester of that pregnancy, I also had issues with high blood pressure, which my grandmother had. Mm-hmm. She had that issue in her pregnancies also, the hypertension. But anyway, throughout all this time, I continued working as the graphic designer, art on the side. Poetry always has been a part of my life too. In 2012, um, in April of 2012, actually, I found out that I was pregnant with our third child. And at that time, I had actually stepped away from working as a graphic designer. I quit to be a more available mom for my kids, a stay-at-home mom, but also to follow my art more seriously. But in April of that year, I found out I was pregnant with our third, which was a total, total surprise. Um, We were excited beyond belief to welcome this new child into our lives, but we weren't expecting it. It was just, it was something I didn't expect, but I also felt complete in knowing that I would have a third. And I think I just assumed that um, and took for granted that when you get pregnant, you just have a child. Mm -hmm. And so I just started into that sort of way of thinking, I think. And um, at my my 12-week appointment, I had high blood pressure. And again, at my 16-week appointment, it was still high. And the story is so hard for me to tell. And I think through my poetry, I think my poetry is kind of a way of painting with words rather than with paint. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to share a poem that sort of tells a story better than I think I would be able to speaking just freely. So yes, I would, we would love to hear it. Thank you. All right. A huge surprise. My number three. So caught off guard. So meant to be. Alive and well at 16 weeks. The beautiful life inside of me. My most difficult pregnancy. Age 36. Early hypertension. A dirty, rotten trick. Placed on powerful meds, a doctor's fix. I worried terribly about the strength of it. Our sweet baby died around 17 weeks, but we wouldn't find out until week 19. Toby, myself, my mom, and both of our kids watching my ultrasound to see what gender our baby is. The technician's face changed as she studied the screen. I watched her intently, wondering what it might mean. The words that came out when she finally spoke made my heart stop. The shock stuck in my throat. Should your kids step out while I deliver the news was the question she asked us and we were to choose. Toby asked if it was bad and she said that it was. Regretfully, I decided she would first tell just us. So both kids stepped out of the room with my mom. When the door finally closed came the drop of a bomb. I can't find a heartbeat. Your baby has died. Toby and I embraced tight while both of us cried. As we hugged and sobbed, I couldn't seem to breathe. The beautiful life I carried had died inside of me. We were led down the hall to a room to grieve as a nurse held my hand tight and walked with me. The midwife stepped in and quietly sat down, her face so somber, her eyes a deep dark brown. She was searching my face for the words she might say The tears flooded my eyes. I couldn't wipe them away. She spoke softly and quietly in the gentlest of ways. I'm so sorry this has happened and it's not okay. The words somehow escaped me both audible and clear. What do we do now and where do we go from here? I could deliver my baby and they would induce me or my only other option, a procedure called a D&E. 
For me, the answer was instant. It came from my heart. I would honor the love within me by doing my part. I'd deliver my baby, go through the pain so I could heal. I'd be fully present and not so numb that I wouldn't feel. It was decided and arranged for the very next day, and I closed my eyes wishing this would all melt away. And suddenly I longed to have my children at my side. I ached for their presence and to look into their eyes. I sobbed out the news as they stepped through the door. Kaya burst into tears and cried. It rocked her to the core. We held our children tight to comfort them in their grief. My mom knelt down and together we mourned in total disbelief. My dad arrived to be with us as we began to sort things through. The kids would spend the night with them. In the morning, I'd be induced. A sleepless night with unchartered waters that lie anxiously just ahead. I began mentally preparing to give birth to our sweet little baby, born dead. With but a wink of sleep, the next morning came. It had arrived all too soon. Our nightmare began unfolding as we checked in and were taken to our room. I remember shivering so hard from the cold and sobbing as I stripped down. Everything familiar and suddenly dreadful as Toby helped me into my gown. I climbed into bed prepared for battle and settled my nerves as I wept. Toby was my strength, loving and supporting me, my side he never left. Induced around 9.30 a.m., the beginning of a long and heart-wrenching day. Around 2 p.m., my labor progressed. Our sweet baby was now on the way. Dason Albert Childers was born sleeping at 4.30 p.m. on Friday, August 10th, 2012. Our beautiful baby boy, now our angel up in heaven and in our hearts forever held. Wow. Well, I'm sure everybody listening can understand why it's hard for me to not cry. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that with us. It's absolutely, you're so right when you said that you can paint with words. I mean, the depth that we can feel from those amazing words and your experience. I think it, it leaves me speechless. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I feel like I don't have the words. So... I just appreciate so much that you can share this depth and this piece of you and your experience. So that was in 2012. That was, yes, that was in 2012. And I really, poetry became huge to me. It was like poetry became an outlet. Art was an outlet. And I actually, a week after I delivered Dason, I had to go back to the same place where the trauma happened. I had to go back for my post delivery checkup. And that was so hard on me because it was like walking right back into such a traumatic experience. When I remember sitting down with my wife in the office and my blood pressure was still high and she spoke her truth to me that day. And I was angry for years about it. Um, but I'm so glad that she did and heard the truth that she spoke to me was that I would most likely have high blood pressure issues for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And 
I was angry because I was racked with so much emotion. It was like, how, how dare you define the rest of my life for me? But it was also, I'm thankful because that moment literally changed my life along with miscarrying. I think both of those made me change and it actually ended up bringing me life. Hmm. And the way that it brought me so much life is after six weeks, they finally cleared me for exercise and I decided that I really needed a life change. And I was left, you know, I had two, two children that were looking to me for guidance and how to get through it. And I decided that I needed to, to make a life change. And so at that six week time, I took up uh, exercising in a boot camp with this amazing group of women that I call my earth angels. They were there at a time that was incredibly hard for me. Hmm. Sorry. It's okay. Um, but through this boot camp, it was all strength training based and it was incredible. And what's so funny is they would always talk about, um, we want to go over to the Thompson Valley track and we're going to, we're going to run. Do you want to go with us? And I, I used to laugh at them and say, I don't run. I absolutely do not run. I hate running. Um, <laughs> I've never liked it. Why on earth would you run? Um, but laughing aside, I said, you know, I'll, yes, I'll go. I'll jog and then I'll walk when I can't, you know, jog anymore. And so we started doing that. And little by little, I started becoming stronger and stronger. And I was able to jog further distances and still be able to breathe. And I just, I continued that. And I'll never forget one day when I showed up for boot camp early and nobody else was there and it was cold outside and I, I needed, I needed to release all the pain that I was feeling inside. And this, this boot camp was this way of sort of making myself get out of bed to, to not only become a healthier person, but also to release all the pain that I had. And so I had shown up early and I thought, well, I'm just going to, I'm just going to jog to warm up. And I think I jogged about seven laps around Amakwa Park and I was still breathing and I was just, I was on cloud nine. I felt like a fish out of water that was still breathing. Like it shouldn't be possible that I could still be breathing, but I am. And this is so exciting. And I was hooked on running at that point. And so boot camp and running became my reason to get up in the morning, but it was also showing my children that by using boot camp and running to get rid of my pain, then I would be more available to them emotionally through mm -hmm. the, the day. Mm -hmm. um, and so running, running is what it turned into for me more than anything, because it became my, my mom time when I could mourn, I would run and I would cry and I would pray. And I, it was, I could feel my son's spirit with me. And then my children began to look at me on days they could, when they would tell or could tell that I was sad, they would start saying things like, mom, do you need to run? You look really sad today. Hmm. And I take them to the track with me and they would hang out, you know, on the track and they would play and do their things, bring a scooter or a soccer ball. And I would just run the track and I would, if I needed to cry, I would cry. And 
it was amazing because it would running would absolutely break me down to where I felt like I couldn't take another step. But when you push yourself to take that next step, it's so empowering. Hmm. And it broke me down, but it built me up into so much more than I ever thought possible. And I am grateful for the rest of my life to the women who introduced me to it because it has really, it's become my, my fight song. Mm. That is just absolutely beautiful in so many ways. <laughs> so, so, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was, yeah, you go ahead. No, you go. <laughs> we want to hear from you. <laughs> I remember what I was going to say. Well, that same group of women, they were the ones who actually encouraged me. So I started running in the fall of 2012. They encouraged me in 2013 to go with them on a, an all-girls trip down to Steamboat and run a half marathon with them. And I was just, I was blown away by it, but I was so inspired by it. And I thought, why not? Why not? I loved running. I, I, running was my time with my son. It, I felt God's grace in those moments on the track. It was like I would, there were days when I would remember running and it would be cloudy and I would just, all of a sudden the clouds would break and the sun would shine down on me. And it was, hmm. it was in those moments when I felt God's grace and my son's spirit just helping me to get through it, mm -hmm. um, which was pretty awesome. So in 2013, yeah. I went to the steamboat with them. I actually sprained my ankle a week before that race, but took care of it, iced it, uh, did everything I could. And I actually ran my very first half marathon in June of 2013. And that was unbelievable. And it was all because of my midwife speaking her truth as hard and as biting as it was and how, I mean, it made me angry, but it made me change. Mm. And then I ran for my son and he changed me, you know, changed me and brought me so much life in his death. And it was my way of running for him because he'll never, never be able to. Hmm. I've been running since then, just hmm. use it as not, some people run to, to lose weight. I think I run for sanity more than vanity. I just, it's hmm. my way of. Um, proving to myself over and over again that I do have fight left in me. I, you know, it's, it's my way of taking back control of my life mm. and, and finding peace within it. Right. And it's, it's a spiritual experience. It's not. Mm -hmm. It is. It's more of a, a meditation. I, I am not a super fast runner. <laughs> I mean, I've, gained um in speed you know over the years but i started out very very slow i like to say grandma like it was more <laughs> of a it was more of a shuffle i think than anything else but that i don't think that part mattered it's never been about how long it took me to get to any finish it was more about the journey of that one foot in front of the other it's such a great metaphor for life and there are so many days when I don't necessarily want to go run, but I know what's at the end of that run. And I know what's during that run and it's finding peace in all the broken pieces and understanding, making sense of the brokenness and rebuilding from it and 
getting through it. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of one of your very favorite or one of your poems. That's my very favorite that I've read so far. I'm sure I would have other favorites, but I haven't read them all. <laughs> but the one, the rise, the rising again. Yes. Rising again. Yes. Yeah. That one. So fast forward. So through, through those years, I, you know, you, you find a piece and you speak like for me and my children, we speak openly of life and death and my husband, we've all been through so many different losses together and we just try to be as open as we can about all of it. And my husband actually, and I went through a really difficult time in 2016 where I think we both separated for six months and we both needed to just heal, I think, individually. Um, and we ended up, that was the, probably another one of the hardest times in my life, um, personally. And I know for him it was, and as hard as it was, I think it brought so much good. Again, we came back together stronger, better and stronger than we ever were even before that point. And he watching me run when he was going through his difficult time, he picked up running. And so he now runs to fight some of the demons and issues that he struggles with and running has brought him so much life. And so now we actually run together and we share that together, which is, there are no words for how grateful I am for that. It's like come full circle and it's awesome to be able to share that experience with your best friend. Yeah. I can't even tell you. And we both just totally understand each other on a much deeper level, which is incredible. Um, so fast forward, we get through the difficult time. We're together, we're better, we're stronger. Yes, um, go can ahead. I ask you a question about that? Absolutely. Um, I think it's a, it, it's a common thing when there is a lot of grief and devastation and loss for couples to have a hard time uh, resolving that together because we all grieve so differently. Yes. And can you tell us a little bit more about your experience with that? Oh, that was so hard. It just, it got to a place where I think I was trying to save him and I wanted to save him and I, but I was drowning myself. Mm -hmm. And so stepping away and separating was a way of healing myself and taking back my life, but allowing him to find a way to save himself. And ah, that was the hardest time in my life. And I remember so many just anxiety attacks of, of taking that step of saying, you know, I really got to work on me and you really need to work on you. And I don't know what, what's at the end of it, but we got to take this time to, to heal individually and then see what happens from there. And that was, it was really difficult because I'm on the side, but I really, I wanted to be the person to still lift him up and encourage him. And, and I did, but from a distance, because I still really needed to just focus on my own healing. So that was really hard, but really necessary, I think, because it taught him how much strength he has inside of him too. Mm -hmm. And it brought the light out in him and it 
it's been amazing to watch his total transformation. Amazing. And he, I mean, we all, I went to counseling, he went to counseling, our kids went through counseling, and we all just sort of worked on healing, I think. And like you said, I think everybody grieves in such different ways that it's hard to find that path together. And I don't think we were finding that path together before that. I think he was running from it because he didn't know how to deal with it. And I was doing my own thing and trying to save everybody else at the same time. And you, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work. Right. Yeah. Gosh, that's huge. To be able to say, I need to heal and you need to heal so hard and takes so much courage to, to take that step and to do that. But in the end, I mean, so necessary. And now on the other side of it, you can see that, but in the moment, uh, you can't. Right. Yeah. It took, I can't even tell you how many times I felt like it took my breath away. Just the, just not having someone at your side. It took my breath away so many times. Just anxiety was huge. But I knew, I knew that we had to, to do that. Felt like, you know, that was the only way was to, the only way of healing was to, to do it individually and allow him the space to grieve how he needed to grieve and to allow myself the same. I think, like you said, everybody grieves differently. Everybody needs a different sort of self-care. I think it's so important even if you're not grieving throughout the entire day, I think you need to put time aside to deal with whatever grief is hitting you and just face it. Mm -hmm. Um, If you need to cry, cry. If you need to hit a punching bag, hit a punching bag. If you need to go run, go run. Whatever that physical activity is. For me, the physical activities release the physical pain in my heart. Writing poetry is my way of understanding my pain. You don't have to write poetry. I feel like it's awesome just to write it down, even if nobody ever sees it, just to get it out. And then my art for me is like celebrating how incredible this life is, even outside of all the the hardships, through the hardships, there's so much beauty. Mm. And you learn so much about yourself through the difficult times. And there's always, I feel like you're stronger than you ever knew you could be. You're stronger than you think you are. And no matter how hard it gets, there's always a way to rise again. Always. Yes. Oh, I love it. (laughs) It's so powerful. And you are the epitome of beauty from ashes. Like you really are because so many people experience hard, hard things and they stay stuck and they stay, they stay in a negative place and don't take that. You have taken this pain, you've taken these experiences and you've been able to find the beauty from them. And you said, that this ended up bringing you life, which, wow, to be able to see it from that perspective is just absolutely, I mean, it gives me goosebumps, really. It's awesome. 
it's uh, it's definitely not an easy road and there are days when I am not very good at rising again or fighting and it's more of a surviving um mm. and it's been so enlightening I think eye-opening um it's just made me more aware of of all the incredible blessings in my life and to have somebody go through it with you my husband my best friend we've had our share of of problems and and losses and all sorts of things but honestly in the end just just coming together and fighting for yourself but fighting for each other and being there for one another has been amazing so in when we when we got back together and started working on our marriage again together as a family unit um that was amazing and we just slowly started at that time we were able to start building each other up but in a healthy way mm. which was which was incredible and that same year he and i ran a half marathon together which was amazing it was like that full circle thing again and i just continued to feel closer and closer to him because we had just gone through so much together and and then we found out that we were pregnant again <laughs> In uh, May of last year, we found out we were pregnant again with our fourth, and I was so excited. I thought, okay, this is my rainbow after the storm. I, I was terrified to have another baby when my children are, you know, 13 and 9, but I was so excited. I really thought it was our rainbow after the storm. It was like, you know, we were reunited as a family, we're, we were stronger than ever, and now we get to welcome this beautiful life that I felt inside, and, and it was a symbol of all that, that we had gone through and come through, and, you know, it was amazing, and I, I, I think our whole family was so excited, mm -hmm. and I felt such an incredible light inside, and I ended up... <laughs> I ended up miscarrying that one too. Um, I found out through after two ultrasounds and some blood work that the HCG levels were not high enough to uh, for a growing baby to thrive. And so I chose to miscarry naturally and I ended up miscarrying on my 41st birthday in July, which I, I shared that birthday with my mom. So it was like now this, it's already a special birthday. I was born on my mom's birthday and now my child's born on my birthday, but it's a miscarriage. Mm. So it's like this bittersweet, but beautiful in a totally heartbreaking way. And it kind of, it wrecked us all again, kind of all over again. And it brought on a new set of emotions, I think, for me. I, in early in the pregnancy, I became an advocate for myself and I was checking my blood pressure and I was still jogging, but at a slower pace that was safe for the baby. And my blood pressure was great. My health was good. And I really thought that I was doing everything right. And losing it, losing this pregnancy again, um, almost made me angry with running because I, I didn't want to have to go through it all over again. Like I've already been through through it once and I was angry that I had to go through it all over again and I knew what I had to do. I knew what I had to do to get through it, but I didn't want to have to be doing any of it. Mm. 
I think as a woman, you feel, you feel like somehow it's your fault. And so I struggle with that. Um, I have really difficult days still to this day, but a month after I miscarried, I picked up running again and, and it's been a journey since then. Springtime is especially hard um, with all the babies everywhere. It seems like every time I turn around, I see someone else pregnant or see someone else having a gender reveal or just the, the animal babies popping up everywhere. So it's been, it's been a tough, it's been a tough road because had everything worked out, I would have had a baby right now, would have had it at the end of January, early February. So it's been, it's been tough, but also through this, there's so much light again. I think it's constantly, it's running to release the pain, writing to understand the broken pieces and then creating more beautiful art to celebrate the beauty that is still in even the saddest of times. The, the light that I felt inside of me when I was pregnant was, was so beautiful. Mm. And through my art, I think that's what I, I try to illustrate is how precious and beautiful this life is, mm-hmm. how colorful it is. Mm-hmm. That's where that's the poem writing again came from, was from my latest loss. Okay. Okay. So I want to touch on something because you, I I mean, you mentioned it and I, I think we've had a discussion before on just how much I adore you and the fact that you talk about this stuff openly, even though it still causes you pain to talk about it, you know the importance of putting it out there and being vulnerable and processing through it and doing all of the things you need to do to to heal from it. And so often, this is something that women experience and they just don't talk about it. Right, which it breaks my heart to think that they suffer in silence it breaks my heart because Mm -hmm. it happens. It is so eye opening to me how often this happens and to so many people across the board and breaks my heart to think that they suffer in silence and they shouldn't. Yeah. What what do you think makes women not want to talk about it? Do you think it's the blaming yourself? Like you talked about, what are your thoughts? I do. I think, I think we absolutely blame ourselves. I know I, I definitely struggle with blaming myself all the time and feeling like somehow it's my fault that I wasn't able to bring my children into this world. Um, I think another big part of it is the pain. It hurts to confront the pain. It's not a comfortable place. Mm. And I think for some people, I think it's hard to want to be uncomfortable. <laughs> And facing such a hard topic is uncomfortable and it can be full of tears and it can be full of anger, but talking about it has been the most empowering place for me. Through my first miscarriage, I did not seek any counseling and just sort of dealt with it in the way that I best knew how to. With this second loss, I actually reached out to Three Hopeful Hearts, which is an amazing organization Mm -hmm. in Fort Collins 
I've been getting emails from them since 2012 when I lost Dason. And I finally decided that I needed to go. I don't think your family always knows what you need. I don't think that you always know what you need. I certainly knew that I was struggling, but I didn't know what more I needed. I felt like I was doing okay. Um, but it's a group of women who have experienced the same thing. And it's this open group setting of just speaking openly about your experience. And that is healing. I think just knowing that you're not alone is so healing. And I think that's a big reason why I'm honored to be here today, because I want other women to know that they're not alone. And it's okay to be vulnerable. And you, there's light at the end of it. You can rise again. There's a silver lining. You just have to find it. Um, I didn't get my rainbow after the storm, but I'm taking the broken pieces and I'm going to make a rainbow somehow through art, through sharing my poetry, just through trying to be a light, hopefully for others. Mm. I think that's, that's the rainbow that I want. Yeah, you definitely are a light. So. You're accomplishing that for sure. <laughs> yes. I got to get it together. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, deep breath. Yes. Uh, yeah, Three Hopeful Hearts is an amazing organization. Absolutely love them. They came to uh, my aunt and uncle's house the day after their 17 year old son was killed in a car accident and walked through the entire process with them and were there and just gosh it's it's a beautiful organization oh, absolutely mm -hmm. so knowing what's in your community too i think is huge because uh a lot of times we don't know what's out there we don't know the resources that we can draw from and the biggest step, though, is going. <laughs> it is. And you don't, I think what's awesome about, and I encourage anybody who is struggling to go, you don't have to talk. You can just be there to hear other people's stories and to just hear that you're not alone. You don't have to, you don't have to speak. And it's still, there's so much that you get from that. It, it, they're incredible. I, I really... I don't know what I do without the moments that I've had with them just have been so helpful. So helpful. Mm -hmm. Well, and you've had, I love that you talk about the amazing women who surrounded themselves around you and encouraged you when you needed it. And it wasn't necessarily by talking. It was, come on, get out of the house. We need you to come run with us. Yes. <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. No, I just, what they did for me, I'll never be able to thank them enough. Never. It's, it's awesome. The importance of that, the importance of the counseling, the three hopeful hearts, all of these amazing people who have helped you in your growth and in your process. And that you also had to take a time where you focused on yourself and so, it was mm -hmm, it was more focused on you individually and what you needed alone and so right. i think that 
that's such a important point and an important balance. Like we need people for sure. And we need the flip side of that, of being able to be present with our own selves and listen to our own self and be compassionate toward our own self and all of those things as well. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah. Care is huge. I, I, and I still struggle with that. I think today just feeling guilty for taking that time, but at the same time, if I don't force myself to take that time, then I don't feel like I'm, a, I'm emotionally available as emotionally available as I could be to my family if I don't. So mm -hmm. I think that time, that self-care time is absolutely necessary. And there are different types of self-care. It doesn't always have to be one form. You know, for me, it's, it was another rough weekend. And so I finally forced myself to get out and run last night. And so that, that was my self-care last night. And it's not even a full hour out of my day, but what, I mean, it, running that physical activity like changes the chemicals in my brain and then it makes it easier for me to handle the depression that I'm in and it sort of reverses that depression and turns it into me wanting and wanting to fight again wanting to get up and rise again and that's so important but self-care is not always running self-care sometimes is crying self-care sometimes is writing Sometimes it's painting. It's, it's all different forms of self-care. There's no one specific form of self-care. And I think, I think it's important to have different types of self-care to rely on. For me, a lot of times it was just to get up and do my hair the best I could and you know make my face look as pretty as I could with makeup just to go face the world. I wanted to feel good about how I looked. Some days I just need to be in nature and that's self-care. I just need to get back to, you know, life, the, the beauty and the little things. Um, and sometimes it's writing. Sometimes it's writing about how sad I am or how mad I am. Um, and even if those poems never become poems, at least I got it out. So there's different types of self-care that I think are so necessary to fall back on and to and to make it a point to have that time to do it yeah huge for sure that I think so often we get into the I know I need to do that and I know it would be good for me <laughs> but <laughs> right there's then there's the but <laughs> it is and I think as a mom you always feel like I struggle with the guilt of but but everybody else comes first and it's always my kids come first. And so I do struggle with that balance of, yes, I need to go run or yes, I really feel like I need to cry right now, but I don't have time because they need this or they need that. And they do, they need your time too. But it's so important for you to take that time because not only do you need it, I feel like it's so important to show your children that when they grow up and they're going through difficult times, would you want them to have self-care for themselves? Would you want them to take time out for themselves to heal? Or would you want them to focus on the rest of the world and forget about their needs? And I don't want my children to do that. I want them to be able to step away and say, you're right. I'm really struggling today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do self-care for this 45-minute chunk of time or an hour chunk of time. And I'm going to focus on me. 
and then I'll be better for you. Mm. And so I'm in a lot of ways trying to also remind myself of that because that's what I want for my kids when they grow up. I want them to know that they can step away and take care of themselves and it's okay. Yeah. Huge. That modeling for them of how you, how, how do you handle hard things? How do you handle hurt? How do you get through that and grow through it? And in, in the other things as well, just being exhausted from taking care of everybody else or (laughs) running around to a million different things or whatever it is. I mean, there's definitely a continuum where you're, you're modeling that for them, which is so powerful and so huge. Yeah. And I think it helps me too. It's like, that kind of takes the guilt away from me because I know that it's setting up a model for them because everything in life is not perfect. And just because you don't talk about the hard things doesn't mean the hard things don't exist. Um, they do exist because they're, I think, fully aware of that. And I want them to know that it's okay. It's okay to take time out. And I also need to do the same. And mm-hmm. I think they, I think they fully understand that um, after just having gone through all of this together as a family, I think we've learned a lot from each other and grown stronger and just, just have been more open as a whole because of all of it. Mm, I love that. And I'm totally writing something down because I'm going to mean it. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) But it's, I love it. I just, because what you said is just because you don't talk about the hard things doesn't mean the hard things don't exist. Oh my gosh. It's so true. We like to pretend that the hard things don't exist and we hope, I think that they go away and they don't. They don't. In fact, I think it gets worse if you try to pretend like they're not there. I think they just build up to a bigger monster than anybody wants to deal with. And I think if you confront them as they hit, it's much easier to just work through it right then and there. Mm-hmm. you're worth the time of that self-care. Everybody is worth the time of that, you know, the self-care. Yeah. I love that. I love how you can turn this around and empower other people to, to take care of their, their own selves. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So let's shift a little bit and let's talk some about your art. Yes. Um, yes. So. <laughs> It's my happy place. Mm, your happy place. Yes, that's where, that's where it's my celebration of life. That's where I get to, when I'm painting, I just think about all the things that I'm grateful for. I think about the amazing memories that I've been able to make and how incredible this world is and the, just the miracle behind life and nature and all of our surroundings. I think I just sort of take all of that in a ball. And I just, I paint with that celebration of how incredible our moments are in this world. Well, you can see that in your work. It definitely comes through for sure. And now knowing your story and being able to go back and look at your two paintings in particular, which I love them all, but you have two specific paintings for 
um, your sons that you lost and being able to go back and see the detail that you put in there and and the the messages that people who don't know your story don't know the purpose and the meaning behind them but knowing right. it it's so amazing <laughs> do you want to talk about those yeah so tree of life um, was a painting that I did shortly after I we lost our son Dason um, in 2012 so that painting is of a tree with these beautiful circle shaped leaves that are sort of blowing in the wind and it's got some clouds and some, we like to call them God rays. They're just rays of sunshine pouring down through the clouds. And we were actually on a trip to visit my brother shortly after I lost Dace and we just needed to take a quick family getaway. And I remember stopping at a gas station and looking out and just pausing in the moment and looking out the window at the mountains and the, just the backdrop of nature and seeing the sun rays coming down and so that inspired that painting but it was also i felt i felt that light when i was running and so the tree is a representative of a family your family roots and then all of the leaves are representative of all the memories that you collect over the years the moments that you get to spend together and those memories are what make your life so colorful and so beautiful Hmm. Um, and then the, you always have through the difficult time, God's grace. And so the sun rays are a representative of God's grace. And so after that painting was done, I decided that I wanted to donate to PVH if I could, and I didn't know if it was possible. Um, but I shot out an email to the, to some sort of a contact that I had found over the internet, which led me to a lady and the lady and I worked together over a year and a half. She was amazing, Joanne. And we sort of emailed this back and forth over a year and a half and it was decided that they had a place in the brand new NICU that they wanted to maybe use that particular painting or hang that particular piece in the brand new NICU and so they actually designed around it. And so it took a year and a half but I was able to raise money through GoFundMe and we were able to get a 60 by 30 inch print of Tree of Life, the painting mm. that I did with Jason, which was donated to PVH in honor of him, which was amazing because it was my way of taking his light and sharing it with others for years to come. Mm. He, had, he has given me so much life and wanted to illustrate that. And so that's that painting. And then to give that light back to others mm. was very healing for me, but it was also another way to honor the beauty of his life, no matter how short it was. And so the saying that goes below the, that particular piece at the hospital is a tiny piece of a poem that I wrote actually after losing him. I wrote so many poems, but that particular piece just says, hold on to those you love so dear, memorize the moments as they pass by, live, love, laugh all you can, and make the most of this beautiful life. Mm. And so he, he made that mean so much more to me. And so I needed, I wanted to have that saying with that poem because it was, it was how I felt, how I feel just about this life in general and what he made me see, which mm. was amazing. Mm -hmm. So that piece 
hangs for him at PVH and for everyone and for all the women who have miscarried. Just, I just wanted it to be a beacon of light for everyone. And then this year, and I actually started the GoFundMe account last year, but I knew that after losing our second child, that I wanted to do the same. And so um, when I got to a place after writing poetry and running and coming to terms with this loss, my new one of my new pieces, What a Wonderful World, was born. And with that one, I just, again, wanted to celebrate the beauty of life. I wanted to celebrate the amazing carefree spirit of a child. And so that one, I never really plan out my paintings. I sort of see a quick vision, and then I just let my intuition guide me. So What a Wonderful World was born, and then I knew that I wanted to donate that one to MCR, which is where I had gone for this pregnancy. It would have been too hard for me to go back to PVH. So MCR was where I went there. And so again, I put out an email to Joanne. She put me in touch with the director over at um, MCR. And together as a team, we figured out where they might have space for a piece. And so what a wonderful world. They finally decided that a 48 by 38 inch print would be suitable. And so that piece now hangs on the fifth floor right at the entrance of the mother family unit at MCR mm -hmm. in light of our last loss. And with the same, with the same words on that plate also. Amazing. <laughs> So that one has a special symbol in it too, doesn't it? It does. So the night, I forgot all about that. Um, so the night that I miscarried, which was on my birthday, it was actually at my mom's and it was a very emotional, difficult day just with everything happening. And we were there for celebrations, but it was also for me letting go. And um, we were driving home that night. We had gotten in our car and we're on our way home. And my husband and I looked out the window and saw a shooting star and that brought me so much peace in that moment it was representative for me of all is well in heaven and that child had made it home and so in what a wonderful world there's a bright shooting star okay <laughs> ah. <sighs> It's beautiful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Ah, it just touches me to my core, your story and your strength and your love for others and your ability to see beauty in the pain and take that and bless other people with it also. I think, I think that's so healing too for me and I think just for people in general is if you can bring bring light to someone else and you if you can share your gift of light somehow with others it is actually so healing for you just as a human being and I I really honestly feel like this journey of life is not meant to be journeyed alone I feel like by by being open it allows other people to to be a part of your journey, but it also, nobody should go through the sorrows alone. I think by opening up, it just, by opening up, it allows others to, to know that they're not alone in their journey and that we're all meant to get through this life together, not alone. Mm, yeah. 
I so agree. I think uh, I can, I feel so connected to you so easily because I feel like we have such kindred hearts. I agree. So thank you for that. <laughs> thank you. So I will ask you because I'm sure that people want to connect with you and find you. And so we will get to that for sure because I want people to know where to find your poetry and your art. And, um, but before that, I want to ask you my, my two questions. So the first one is, what do you feel has been the most vital to your growth? Self-care. Absolutely self-care emotionally and physically. Cause I feel like those two are very important together. Be whatever you need it to be, but physical activity helps you to fight the depression and I struggle with myself and emotionally just allowing yourself to move through the emotions, allowing yourself the time to cry if you need to cry, to be angry if you need to be angry and to get it out somehow physically or through writing or whatever, however you choose to release it. But self-care is huge. And also being able to take a break from grief to to step away from that and to, to really celebrate the small things in life and how incredible and beautiful those are. Every moment really is a gift. And I don't, I don't always see or feel it that way either, but that's the depression that I'm struggling with. And once I go physically release it with running, then I'm able to take the broken pieces and put them back together and, and see the beauty again. So self-care is huge. And just being open and vulnerable and allowing yourself to be uncomfortable. It's okay to be uncomfortable and it's okay to not be okay every second of every day. Mm, amazing. Yes. Uh, and I've heard you say before to take a break from the grief. Can you just tell us a little bit more about that? Oh, just to celebrate life, to, to look at all of your blessings and to really be present in the moment with the blessings that surround you, the people that surround you, your friends. It's just because you've lost so much doesn't mean you don't have so much to celebrate. Laugh, love, be in that moment and really, you know, take a step back and see how beautiful those moments are. And sarcasm. I love sarcasm. I love humor. I love joking that is like the best medicine. And so for our family, you know, everything's a joke. You know, this, this interview is so serious and I do have that serious side of me and I do struggle with, you know, all of these different, all of my different things, especially through loss. But I love sarcasm. I love sunshine. I love to celebrate the fun parts of life, adventures. Just make the most of life. Yeah and laugh with your family and enjoy the moments and be goofy and silly and make the moments count. Yeah. Oh, I love it. To, to live is not to forsake your loss. No. I think no. people feel that way sometimes. I do too. I do too. And I, I, re reflection is great. And I think that's why I love to write because I can write it down I can reflect on it. And when I reflect on it, it doesn't mean that I live back in that loss, but I'm looking to learn something new from it and to gain something from it and to take life 
from it hmm. and apply it to the rest of my life because life is going to be full of losses. That's part of what life is. And if you can learn as much as you can from it, then I really feel like it just gives you more life. It doesn't have to end. Yeah. Mm, I love that. Oh, so powerful. Okay. So last question. Um, yes. What do you want to make sure that people know from this? I want people to know that they are stronger than they think they are, that they can absolutely rise again, no matter what kind of a darkness they're in, that they're not alone in their struggles. Um, it's okay to be open and vulnerable because we're all battling something. I'm tired of the social media highlight reel. I, it's not, life is not, that's not real. We all have battles that we're battling and you can absolutely rise again from anything. I think I want them to know that their scars make them beautiful. They are worth fighting for. And one of my favorite quotes, I think I want them to know, and I'm a quote person, so I collect quotes all the time because they const constantly inspire me, but Maya Angelou, you may encounter many defeats, but you must not be defeated. In fact, it may be necessary to encounter the defeats so you can know who you are, what you can rise from, how you can still come out of it. I love that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So, oh. <laughs> I feel like I have to just keep stopping the process because it's all so amazing and so good. And I, I agree with you, Facebook, there's so many beautiful, amazing things about it. You and I probably wouldn't be connected in this way if it weren't, weren't for Facebook. For that too, I have to say. Yeah. That's what I love about Facebook. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It makes the world a much smaller place and, and allows you to connect with those people so that you can go deeper into the relationship. It's, I, I don't think it's supposed to stop there. And that's what a lot of people do is they stop it at the surface level, which is why I am doing the meetup and all of that, because I do believe so much in, we need to be face to face. I want to hug you. <laughs> yeah. No, I, you're such an inspiration to me. I love what you do. I love how you're connecting women and I love the strength behind that and helping and encouraging and being that light for one another through all of it. Mm. It's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. I think you're amazing. Oh, so let's let people know how they can find you, how they can connect with you. And of course, I will also put this info in the show notes, but I'd love to hear what you're up to moving forward and, and how people can find you. Okay. Well, um, my website is tennealart.com. Um, it's, so it's not a normal spelling at all. So I'll let you put that out there. But um, tennealart.com you honestly if you google tennealart.com everything will pop up but I have a Facebook page that they can follow but through my personal website is where they can read some of my poetry I have to admit I don't have it all 
up there and it's still under construction, my website. But to see artwork, um, they can go to tenille-childers.pixels.com. Um, and that's sort of my online gallery of where they can purchase prints online if they choose to. But honestly, if they're local, contact me because I can do it cheaper just being local. Mm. Um, and yeah. and not only prints, you can purchase bedspreads, pillows. Like it's totally amazing. Yeah. I'm like, mm. oh, yeah, <laughs> it's so cool. Just about everything, which is pretty cool. Phone cases. There's so many different things that that they're allowing online now, which is amazing. So all of that stuff can be purchased online, like you said, the pillows and the shower curtains or bedspreads or. But yeah, so all of my artwork is available online. They can contact me personally anytime. I sell note cards at Debeen in Berthoud and at Indigo Sky in Berthoud. And then my originals are always at Lincoln Gallery, downtown Loveland, as well as note cards and prints. So Awesome. Yeah. So your Facebook page, is that a personal page or a business page that you want them to follow? It's a business page and it's facebook.com slash art. Awesome. Yes. All right. Well, yes. So lots of places that people can find you. Yes. Yep. In fact, if they just Google Tenille Art, it'll all pop up and then they don't have to try to remember what the address is to go to any of the websites. So Nice. And I will yeah. make it easier for them in the comments as well. But I, I know that people are definitely going to want to follow you and your journey and where you're headed because you're just such a beautiful inspiration to us all. So thank you so much for being here with me, for uh, sharing your heart and being vulnerable with us, for being brave. I just thank you so much. No, thank you. And I'm sorry for all the tears and it's hard. Hard not to get emotional, but I so appreciate you and I'm honored to have been a part of this. So thank you. Yeah. Don't ever apologize for your tears. <laughs> They're cleansing for the soul. Sometimes it's just hard to understand people through their tears. So hopefully, <laughs> hopefully that was not with you. <laughs> no, I think it'll be great. Thank you. I, I love the... You, you made me have tears, but <laughs> it's a good thing. It's a good thing. It just means that you feel. So thank you for, for making us feel and being brave. Thank you. All right. Wow. Isn't she just an inspiration? You may have had to grab the tissues for that one. That's okay. I did too. <laughs> it's so good though that we can feel on such a deep level. No matter what you're going through, there's always a way to cope and find the beauty in every experience. And Tennille is such a bright, shining example of this. So make sure you connect with her and see her beautiful art and poetry that we were talking about. This episode of the WE Podcast is brought to you by Eliza Quinn Creates. Check her out on Facebook or Instagram. She is truly changing the way we wear earrings. She makes my most favorite earrings in the whole wide world and is offering 15% off your total order to all of the WE Podcast listeners. So you don't want to miss out on that exclusive offer. 
Just mention the code TOGETHERWERISE and you will get that discount. All right, now remember you are stronger than you think. You deserve to care for yourself and you are not meant to take this journey alone. Please reach out. I would love to connect with you and we will see you next week for a new episode of the We Podcast. Podcast.